Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Michael Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. We're going to be reading a lengthy passage of Scripture here. Again, in Hebrews chapter 12. What a beautiful day outside. I hope all of our fathers are able to get out and enjoy it with their families. Hebrews chapter 12. Again, I'm going to be reading this from the uh, NIV. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So there's encouragement. The first thing God starts out with here is it's, it's about encouraging people, okay? Now we, we go down to verse, chapter, or verse four. It says, in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the ones he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children, for what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. Amen. But painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled but rather healed. God bless you. You may be seated. The Lord encourages us to do things right. But then he also says that discipline is a part of being a parent and part of being a child. One has to give it, the other has to receive it. And really, nobody enjoys that part. I know I don't, and I didn't. My mom found it entertaining. She always opposes me on this because, believe it or not, when I was eight or nine years old, I had some great dance moves. 
My mom always says that it was amazing how high I could actually stretch on my toes to try and avoid getting a spanking. So Brother Hickey was kind enough to get her a longer bat. It's never fun. It's not fun as a parent. It's not fun as a child. But it's necessary. I want to talk to you today, and I'm going to talk specifically to fathers. Um, if you get something from this, I, and I, I hope everybody does, but I feel it's important today to, uh, to focus on fathers. Obviously, it's Father's Day, and I, as a father, I look at, I look at my life, and I, and I always want to see how I can be better as a father, as a husband, as a man. And I look at society right now, and I'm, I'm very disappointed in society. I'm saddened by what, what occurs in, in, our, in our society, in our churches. And, you know, it, it can be overwhelming sometimes. I mean, what do you do? We look at the church right now. The church is under extreme attack, physical, emotional, and spiritual attack. The, uh, the massacre in South Carolina at a prayer meeting. The, the uh, rulings that are going to be coming out eventually by the Supreme Court on what defines marriage. It's sad. It's sad for when you look at the history of our country to where we are today. And it's because of poor decisions and stepping away from God. And I think the only way that we can correct this as a country is to draw closer to God and seek his anointing, seek his word. As men of God, you know, people always say, well, today is the day, that every day is the day. It's been the days in the past, it is gonna be the days in the future that we need to stand up as men of God, as holy men of God, to step up and say, that's not right. This is what God wants for my life, for my family, for this country. One of the hot topics right now in society is, is this catchphrase illegitimacy, this word illegitimacy. It's being blamed for, for several things. They've referenced this as, again, one of the major social issues in the United States is illegitimacy. The word means born to a mother and father out of wedlock. But it's become more than that in our society. It's become something where there are, there are men, and I'm, I'm going I'm to be a little, little difficult on the men for a little bit. Don't take it personally. If you don't fall in this category, hey, it doesn't affect you. Good news. Okay? But the thing that leads to illegitimacy is fathers not being a part of their children's lives. And I don't care what race you are. Okay, there is, there is major issues with fathers or with men not being fathers. In our society, this, in my opinion, is, it has that trickle-down effect. When you look at it, one of the phrases that I heard when I was um, at Tachita as a correctional officer was baby daddies. You know, we got a lot of baby daddies running around with all the power to make a child, but no desire to raise them. For years, I, I, I'm, a big, I'm a basketball fan in and out, less now than I was, but I remember 
story of Sean Kemp. Sean Kemp, high school basketball player, phenomenal athlete, amazing, 6'10", could handle the ball, shoot, terrific. And kind of liked him. I mean, cool guy, it seemed like. Then I found out the guy had 17 kids with 16 different women. There were plenty of jokes about him trying to become the father of our country and all that wonderful stuff, but it, it's a, it is a societal thing right now that we have children that do not have godly examples as fathers. Some of them have no examples of a father. And again, it has a trickle-down effect on our society. When you look at it, not many, or not all, but many of these situations, you will see the daughters in these situations seeking the attention of a man if they have not had a good father figure. They're seeking the attention. And they will do just about anything to get that attention. Including getting in relationships that are not beneficial or fruitful. You can see boys that have no father figure. Learning how they think they're supposed to be a father by things like movies and television, Xbox. They're looking for someone who will pay attention to them, who will invest time into them. These these children without parental guidance or without a father figure are low-hanging fruit for Satan, for gangs, for people that want to do wrong because they're looking. It It is something in us that wants to be accepted that wants to feel that we're part of a family. It all comes down, in my opinion, in those situations, to a father's time. Yes, we all get to make choices. I'm not going to preach about that today. But it comes down to time. Your children want you to invest time in them. They are not a bank account. We all know that, right? You are not some, they don't want you to just put money into them. They want your time. The generation right now, I, I refer to, and if you are of this generation, again, don't be offended, it's not everybody, but I call it the entitlement generation. Many of them feel that they should not have to work hard, that stuff should be given to them, and that's just how it's supposed to be. A job is something where you walk in, you say, I want to work, they give you a job. And they should pay you 15 bucks an hour, even with no experience. We'll see how that works for uh, Seattle, I think it is. When I talk to my kids now about these things, about work and all this, I, I have these flashbacks. They're almost like, little out-of-body experiences where I can like see my, I can look down and I'm like, wow, this sounds a lot like the discussion that my dad had with me. And I'm going, okay, well, you want this. Well, 
you're going to have to work for it. I will help you, but you're going to have to put in some effort. And uh, I know my, my thing when I was growing up was there was one video game at Pizza Hut that we could ride our bikes to in the summer. So we would do whatever we could to get a, a few quarters and go up and play the video game during the days in the summer when we weren't playing basketball just to have fun. But we had to work for it. It was, hey, you know what? I'll tell you what. You want, you want, a, you want a dollar? Why don't you go uh, stack some wood? Why don't you go mow the lawn? Why don't you do something? I remember when I was, I believe I was 12 years old, one of my responsibilities was to mow the lawn. And we had, a, we had an acre of, of land. It was, was not fun. There was no zero turns with a 50-inch deck. That thing was about, I would say, probably 12 inches wide. At least it felt like it. Going back and forth in rows. But <clears throat> I wanted some money. So I asked my dad if I could take our lawnmower and go around the neighborhood and see if I could find people that I could mow their lawn. I said, sure, go ahead. He contributed the gas, and I went and worked. When I was 16, my parents did not give me a car. I got to share a 1987 Chevy Cavalier three-tone blue. That thing, and I think one of the first things that, that I was able to, uh, to do was take it to Earl Scheib for the $99 paint job. And I will tell you, it did not make an improvement. It was red, and it looked like it was matte finish. But at least it was all one color. But even in those situations, mom's schedule had the priority. I got a job when I was 16 at McDonald's. I was probably the only 16-year-old with a driver's license riding my 10-speed to work. That was normal. I didn't expect my mom to give up the car for the day so I could go to work. There's a different mentality now. And we have to be careful that we don't give into it as a church. God doesn't give us everything we want. And there's a reason for it. I don't know all the time what it is. But I have to trust and I have to seek and I have to find what God's will is in my life. As a father, I look at my kids and I want them to, to feel a sense of responsibility. My wife and I were talking about how as parents we oftentimes say, you know, we want our kids to have it better than us. And I, I turned to the other day, I said, you know what? We didn't turn out too bad. Maybe they just needed the same as we had it. Maybe they don't always need it better. What is surprising to me is that no matter how many stories we hear, how many movies you may watch, how the biggest thing that we can get lost in as parents and as fathers is we lose and, miss, and do not understand the importance of time with our kids. It's more important than giving them a car or a new bedroom set or a PS4 
It's your time. In the pursuit of wealth and comfort, we misplace our priorities. And I'll put myself right up there. I have to catch myself very often. And think about this. How many times does God and family take a back seat to work? And why are you working so hard? You know, my, my daughter has uh, gymnastics um, in Oconomowoc. And I'll occasionally walk around the, the block and I walk by our house on Jefferson Street. And I look at that and I think of all the memories that we had at this place. Now, that house could probably fit inside the lower level of my home. And I'm not saying that braggadociously. It was that small. I walk by that place and I'm like, wow. And most of the time, folks, it wasn't just us living there. We had another family. We had, this is a two-family home most, most times. Sitting at the kitchen table, whoever was in the back had to duck because that's where the cabinets were too to get in and out of their chair. But it was plenty. Because we didn't have this great expectation of we should have this or we should have that. But we were able to have time. And we can, we can get to the point where we want so much more for our kids that we have to work so much more because we have to pay so much more because we, want that, we, we have a different idea of what is a priority or what needs to be a priority in their life. So we can overcommit on Christmas, on graduations, on all this stuff, and overpay and forget that what they really want is time. I've chosen to put God first and my family next. There are many other things that I have to say no to if I want those relationships to flourish. I, I've told this before, but when I, before I got married to my wife, in fact, the year before, we were hunting, I believe it was out at Check's, brother and sister Check's house. We were bow hunting, and I was single. And I kept a log, and I think I went out probably four times a week. I was able to get out in the woods and sit on a tree stand, and I loved it. And I got married, and my wife said, wow, you're going hunting a lot. And I said, you don't realize how much less I'm hunting. But it was that hunting was not the priority anymore. It became spending time with my wife and with my family. Because yes, I enjoy hunting. In fact, I'll tell you, my dad taught me to hunt. We spent time in the woods together. Those are some of my best memories. Whether it was up in Michigan or, you know, up in Crandon, where we don't even shoot deer. Because there aren't any. <laughs> but he, he's the one that taught me how to hunt. And his father before. And it was an investment. It wasn't even, there are so many times that you go out, any of you that bow hunt, 
You go out hunting and you get nothing. My wife makes fun of me because I think it's been three years since I've shot something with my bow. But that I still keep going out. It's confusing. I understand. Why would you keep going out there sitting freezing and seeing nothing? But it's the time. You know, when I go out hunting with my dad, or we're setting up stands or anything like that, it's the time. It's the stories. It's the talking. It's this. It's that. And that's with everybody. But several years ago, I was hunting on a Saturday morning, and I happened to be blessed to uh, um, hunt this particular piece of property, and it was about 9 o'clock, and I thought, oh, you know, I should probably get back home. I've got some things to do. I started lowering my bow down out of the stand, and I looked to my left, and here came a buck. It was a good buck. So I slowly brought the bow back up, and my heart started pounding. And I, I, I drew on the deer, and I was able to quickly take care of that deer. The first call I made was to my dad. I was still shaking up in the tree. Hey, you're not going to believe this. I shot a monster. You got to come out here. So he hopped in his car, came over, and we spent the day trying to find somebody to register the deer. But we just had a great time together. Because it was the time that was invested before that paid off now. We need to make sure that we don't give our kids the wrong things and make sure that their priorities are in the right place. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24 says this. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what she shall eat or what she shall drink, nor yet for your body, what she shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them, Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So we spend all this time worrying about how we're going to pay this, how we're going to do this, when God gives us very specific and simple instructions. Seek ye first 
the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. See, just like our children want our time, our father wants our time. And if we seek him first and put him first, it's going to be some quality time. Our father's wanting to take care of us. But do we have time for him? Our father wants to spend time with us. He has made us legitimate. The sacrifice that he made on Calvary gave us an opportunity to be legitimate sons and daughters of him. He wants to give us his name, but we have to put him first. We need to make him a priority in our lives. When we don't spend time with God and we want to lord over our own flesh, we find that we can get into a lot of trouble trying to play a role that we were not meant to play. See, we're children and our father has given us the best example he possibly can. See, he already created us in his image. But it wasn't just enough because he wanted to spend time with you, with me. So he gave us an even more palatable example of coming in flesh and dwelling among us so that we could relate to him better. But it was about time. God wants to spend time with us. And just like with our children, we need to make that a priority. We worry about clothes, bills, cars. He says, don't worry about any of that. I'll take care of that. Just spend some time with me. That's all he's asking. Spend some time with him. He says, if you're looking for someone to love you, care for you, meet your needs, I'm going to give you everything you need. All I ask is that you give yourself to me so that we can spend time together. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. How many of you have stress in your life? Yes, me too, both hands. Why? Well, some of it we bring upon ourselves. Other parts is just because we don't give it up to God. We're not spending enough time with God. Again, both hands. I believe because I've seen this and because I know this, as Pastor Kylie talked about this morning a little bit, I know 
that the more time I spend with God, the better my life is. I, I think you can clap about that if you've ever experienced that. The more time that you spend seeking his direction, his mercy, his anointing, the better your life is. When we don't spend time with God, we have problems. And they get exponentially worse. Prayer is such a simple yet powerful thing. This morning, we had, our, we had uh, open prayer this morning. What a powerful move of God throughout this entire sanctuary that prepared this place for worship and praise. And it's just spending time with God. The wonderful thing about prayer, the thing that I, one of the many things I enjoy about prayer is you don't have to be eloquent. You don't have to say it just right. You, don't, you shouldn't have to read it out of a book. It just needs to come from right here. See, the great thing is, is that God knows all languages. Even when you can't speak well, God knows what you're trying to say because God looks on your heart. He knows about sincerity. He knows when you're asking for something because you really feel that you need it and you're coming with a heart prepared to sacrifice with praise and worship. And he's faithful to meet our needs when we put him first. So just like your own kids, it's not so much what you do, it's that you're doing it with them and with him. Pastor Kylie talks all the time about when we go on vacation, you need to take God with you. Everywhere you go, God should be with you. And we need to make it a priority. And I'm going to say this several more times before this message is concluded. Priority and time. I'll give you an example. Uh, last week, um, I was service coordinator last week, and so I got up nice and early, and we were blessed to be able to work in the food pantry in the afternoon, and um, it was also, we were celebrating Gabrielle's birthday. So we had, a, we had a full day. So after I got done at the food pantry, I went home and I, I grabbed Elena. We went home and we prepared the, the food for, for the uh, dinner that night. And uh, I sat down on the couch and I was probably there for like two minutes. And here comes Delena. Hey, Dad. You know, it's a beautiful day outside. We should not let this go to waste. She's pretty smooth already at 10. I take credit for that. So she, she presented it in a very good way. But my first thought was, oh, I finally got to sit down. Leave me alone. Go away. There's a backyard. Find some sticks, start a fire, I don't care. Go on. But I thought about it. I'm a little sappy too. So I still have, you know, some, some like butterfly kisses on my iPod and all that stuff. So I get all emotional about spending time with my kids anyway. But I thought about it and I thought, you know, she's 10 years old. Not going to be too long. She's going to be a teenager. Then I'm really going to want her to go away. 
Just kidding. Not really. But um, I thought, you know what? She's right. This is time. So I, we didn't have any plans. I said, you know what? We got about an hour, hour and a half. Let me get in the car. We'll go down to the playground. And I walked around, and she went on bars and did all of her gymnastic stuff and flipping around and had a good time, and we just played around together for, for an hour. And on the way back to the car, she said, thank you very much, Dad, for bringing me to the park and spending some time with me. And it made me think. When, when it's all, I, now I'm, I'm 38 years old, I don't remember what I got for my birthdays. I don't remember what I got for Christmas. But I do remember vacations. I do remember events and different times in my life that I spent with my family. I remember, I don't even know how old I was when we went to California for general conference. I was... I was small enough that my sister could keep me pressed down between the seats to sleep on that trip. So I was still pretty small. But I remember that trip. I remember those things. It's not about what I was given. It's about the time. And as you continue to grow as Christians and in your walk with God, you're going to remember those times when God just put it on you to hit your knees in a moment of desperation. When you came to God, I imagine that in most cases it was because you were looking for something. You were looking for someone to spend time with that was going to make you a priority. God wants to spend time with you. God wants to spend time with you each and every day. It's up to us whether we want to make God a priority in our lives. And the way that we show that he's a priority is by spending time. If you'd stand with me this morning, I think I've, as Pastor Kylie tells me, or said, once you've made your point, Get out of the way. How many of you remember when you got the Holy Ghost? I remember it was at Abundant Life Church on Oakwood Avenue. I walked by there a couple times a week. I, I was, uh, I think it was three weeks ago, I was walking by and I noticed a light on in the church. So I went in and I asked the guy, I said, hey, could I just walk around? I said, you know, I used to go to school here. I could not believe how small that place was. I went down in the basement and I thought to myself, how in the world did we get 30 kids down here for school? God wants to bless us. God wants us to have that precious, precious time with him. 
And the thing that always amazes me is whether it's with, with children or with God in my life is how simple it is. I don't have to sacrifice anything. I just have to give them some time. First Peter 2 and verse 9 says this. But ye are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood, an holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were illegitimate, but are now legitimate children of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. We all have the same amount of time in a day. How are you going to spend yours? Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for everything that you've given to us. We want to thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your love, your compassion. Thank you for healing us and touching us giving us an opportunity for salvation and a relationship with you. Lord, we don't want to take it for granted. And Lord, I ask as, as we come to this altar today, I pray, Lord, that you would just continue to speak to us. That you would help us to understand that you just want some time. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.